Great to hear all your chatter. We do have a special guest with us today to bring the word. His name is Elliot. I've worked with him a bit over the last year, and he's here to share. Here he is. Thanks, Mac. Hey, it's so good to be with you, Port Church. Um, I've been so excited about getting up here to um, see and meet you and spend some time with you. I have come up and had a coffee with um, Pastor Ben. Um, we had a good chat and I got to know a bit of the story of Port Church. It's fantastic to hear what God's up to in this part of town. Um, and it's been great too because over the last two years, uh, we've had three excellent interns and one mediocre one. So, no, I'm just having you on, Benito. You're, you were fine, mate. Uh, but it's been great last year to journey with Benito and Matt, and then this year with Jacino and Juanita. Um, fantastic part of our movement's investment and leadership development. Um, I've just finished um, ten and a half years as a lead pastor at Richmond Baptist Church, just back in June, and it feels really fresh. And especially coming to a church like this with a vibe like this, very similar size, uh, great energy, and it's actually making my, me miss my Richmond family a lot this morning. As we transition to our new life, I'm full-time with Baptist Church's office now, and I do a couple of things. One is leadership development, investing in emerging leaders all across our movement, creating opportunities for people, whether they're heading into vocational ministry or not, to develop as disciples and leaders, followers of Jesus. I also work uh, in mission development, helping churches, helping leaders come up with creative ways for us to think about what does it mean to be kingdom people and kingdom presence in communities all across the state and into the Northern Territory, actually. And it's been fantastic over these last few months to get a bit of an insight and experience of journeying around a bunch of churches, all different shapes and sizes. A couple of weeks ago, I was up in Laura, working with the Laura Baptist Church, as they figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus in a country town these days? Quite different, loads of challenges. Uh, there are opportunities all over our movement that God is opening up for us to be involved in what He is already doing in neighborhoods and churches. Uh, and so if you're exploring and imagining your future, I would love to chat to you. What does it mean for you to be investing in our movement? But I absolutely love this morning hearing more stories about what's happening here at Port Church. I had already captured a glimpse over these last couple of years, hearing stories of our interns, of what God is up to here. But this morning, just able to meet you, to see you, and to hear a bit more of what's going on, I'm really excited for you. This is a fantastic community, a fantastic place to be a part of. I hope you really don't take it for granted. It's not always like this, and you should be really feel privileged have Pastor Ben as your pa pastor for starters. What I mean, come on. <laughs> I want to pray, and then I've got a little exercise for us this morning just to warm us up. King Jesus, I'm so thankful for your spirit, for your gift to us, for your presence with us, for your overflow of love and generosity. You are already up to so much in your kingdom, bringing life and light and color. We thank you for where we see glimpses of it. God, this morning we pray that our ears, our hearts, our lives might be open to what you might want to awaken in us, God. We trust you with your word, with your spirit, with your love and generosity. We honor you, King Jesus, this morning together. Amen. I'm going to get you to close your eyes. That's all right? And I want you to imagine a fruit bowl. Imagine the uh, different shapes, the different color, the different fruits, maybe even the different smells. You can help me out here and give me a little nod when you've, when you've got a fruit bowl. Everyone got a fruit bowl in mind? Yeah? All right, now I want you to do something that's a little bit harder. 
I want you to imagine that the fruit can talk. <laughs> imagine their personalities and their faces. Maybe you might imagine which one is Pastor Ben. Everyone imagine that? <laughs> All right, you can open your eyes now. That's just to get us warmed up. I'm going to talk to us this morning about imagination. That was a little imagination exercise to get us going. But I want to introduce you to an artist called Salvatore Garau, who's from Italy. And just in uh, June this year, he sold an artwork called Lasono, which means I am, for 23260 Australian dollars. And the sculpture is intended to be displayed in an area that's 1.5 metres by 1.5 metres, free from any obstruction. Here's the thing about this artist's creation. It is literally nothing. It is non-existent. Someone paid a lot of money for nothing. Here's the extra interesting thing about this artist. This is not the first time he's done this. This is actually the third work in his collection where he sold nothing for a lot of money. I think he might be onto something. <laughs> Here's what Salvatore Garau said about his artwork. He said, it is a work that asks you to activate the power of your imagination, a power that anyone has, even those who don't believe they have it. Now, the imagination is a powerful part of our human experience. Think about what we experience when a story takes root in our mind. As the tendrils of narrative spread in our minds, new regions of brain are actually ignited and created. Brand new neural connections are formed. And once our imagination is fully engaged, we not only hear the story, but we see the story. We can smell it, taste it, touch it, experience it. Imagination is the place where possibility resides, where potential arises, where new horizons emerge and where adventures await the courageous. And imagination is part of God's beautiful design of our world and of humanity. But fed with a steady diet of hypnotic distraction by the external world, our imagination gets enslaved with the masses of sleeping souls in the suburbs to a life of predetermined and predictable daily gestures. In other words, our imagination lifts our eyes to a world full of possibility, but the daily grind and the distraction of easy entertainment dulls our ability to imagine. Senses dulled, we stop wondering in the beauty of fullness of King Jesus. We stop noticing the work and activity of the Holy Spirit. We stop anticipating the wonderful inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven in our world. Perhaps we're suspicious of the imagination, considering it to be the play space of children and the childlike. Perhaps we think the imagination is the realm of the creatives, artists and designers, inventors and innovators. Perhaps we've been burnt by our own imaginations. And so we live fearful of what might happen next. You might not think you have an imagination, but you do. We use our imaginations when we read, when we hear someone tell a story, and when we consider what we might have for dinner tomorrow night. You use your imagination when you recall memories from your past. And you use your imagination when you anticipate the future, planning or fantasizing about what life might be like one day. Perhaps 
as a follower of Jesus, you have limited your imagination. Thinking it is meant to be suppressed in order to live rightly for King Jesus. We all have an imagination and we are meant to use it. One of the places that we exercise our imaginations is when we think about God. What comes to mind for you as you think about who God is and what he is like? Spend a moment thinking about it. Maybe you can even tell me what you're thinking. Anyone want to shout something out? What do you imagine as you think about who God is? Awesomeness. You'll have to shout nice and loud because you've got a mask on. I can't. Beautiful, love. Majestic. Awesome. Like Jesus. Funny. It's a good one. Now, the truth is, we, sorry, one more. He's strong yet gentle. I like that one. The truth is we cannot imagine God in all his fullness. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. God is uncontainable, even unimaginable. But this doesn't mean he is unfindable or unknowable or untouchable. It does mean he's too vast and too far transcends us that we cannot fully comprehend him with our intellects or even fully capture him with our imaginations. And so whether we picture God as pulsating light or benevolent father, we can never fully capture God, the God of all things, in our minds. He is always far more. God is always more than even our wildest imaginations can come up with. You just have to read the book of Ezekiel to get a glimpse of that, or John in Revelation, as they try and find words to describe what they've seen. And it just sounds like the wild ramblings of a crazy person. We cannot fully imagine God, but he does reveal himself to us. You want to best capture the image of God? Then saturate your mind in the story of God in the Bible. Meet him in the descriptions from his people in the Old Testament. Reach out and touch him in the story of Jesus in the Gospels. Experience his Holy Spirit presence in the story of the early church through the rest of the New Testament. The story of God in the Bible tells us that God is most fully revealed in Jesus. And there's a poem in Colossians that has always captivated me and caused me to worship in wonder. You probably know which part I'm talking about. Colossians 1 starts in verse 15. King Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, whether things in heaven or things on earth, whether invisible or visible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, and he is the beginning, the firstborn. So that in all things he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things in heaven or things on earth by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This poem is a mesmerizing, wonderful portrait of King Jesus. And it is by looking at Jesus that we can discover, we can imagine who God is. 
one has ever seen God in his fullness, but we can reach out and touch Jesus. We can know Jesus. We can be embraced by Jesus. And in him, we can imagine a God who is not just out there far off and indifferent, but a God who is compassionately and passionately for us. A God who understands and has walked in the dirt and dust of our human experience. In Jesus, God has come near to us and become one of us. We know God best in Jesus. We imagine what God is like best in Jesus. We also learn from this poem that Jesus holds all things together, the old world and the new world, creation and the new creation. And the brilliance of this poem is that it's able to hold the beauty and power and wonder of this world alongside the pain and suffering and evil that we experience. This poem also draws our attention to the renewal of all things, the work that God has already begun in King Jesus and in our world and in us to reconcile us to himself, to renew all things in heaven and on earth. This poem also presents Jesus as the blueprint for genuine humanness. He is the head of the body, the firstborn from from the dead, the one whose cruel death God has dealt with our sin, overthrown evil and brought us peace and reconciliation. And not just us, but all things, as the poem reminded us over and over. Ever imagine what true humanness in practice looks like? Find it in Jesus. We so easily settle for a dull and diluted human experience, and yet in Jesus we are invited to experience the fullest experience of God's imagination for humanity. This poem calls us to imagine a new way of being human, a way that imitates the life and teaching and imagination of King Jesus for our lives now. This poem boldly states that King Jesus is the center of all things. He is the one through whom and for whom the whole world was made in the first place. All things, everything we see and celebrate, all that makes us wonder, it is all his carefully curated creation. It all reveals his imagination for all of life and for your life. I don't know about you, but the story of God and the person of King Jesus has captured my imagination. It's an adventure like no other, a quest greater than any in history, a future promise that lights the horizon of eternity. And Jesus is a king so wonderful, so gracious, so beautifully human, and yet so otherworldly. And we see in this poem and throughout the story of God and and his people in the Bible, that we are imagined to live out a new life we have in Jesus here and now. We're invited to live in the new kingdom of God now, a kingdom like no other, a way of life unlike anything else in this world. There's another passage that gets my imagination going. Actually, if I'm honest, there's many. We're only going to look at a few. It's in Luke 13, and Jesus says this, what is the kingdom of God like? You might remember he said this often, told a lot of stories that didn't ever quite answer all our questions. He says, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed. When a gardener took it and planted it in his garden, it grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. 
Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like the yeast that the baker took and mixed it through more flour than you would expect until it worked through all of the dough. The kingdom of God is more than we would expect. It is more than we can imagine. It is more, not less, than the best of what we know now. The kingdom of God is a new world breaking into this one, restoring, reorienting, recreating all that is broken, corrupted, and lifeless, and amplifying the beautiful and wonderful parts of this world. Starting small, like a whisper. It grows and spreads like the glimmer of first light, like the warmth of spring breaking through the kingdom of God, starts with a hopeful beginning and soon grows into far more than even now we can imagine. And all throughout the gospel stories, Jesus is letting his followers in on the cosmic renewal project that is underway. And we are invited in too. We have been given an inside glimpse at what can be and what will be. You and I are restorative artists and agents who have been led in on the most hopeful story the world has ever seen and experienced. We see what the rest of the world does not yet see. We are invited to live now what the, what the world does not yet live now. We are invited to engage our imaginations and, and live out a creative, beautiful, colourful way of life that inspires and invites people to want to know more about our King and His Kingdom. If the church is God's people, the world needs an imaginative church. This city, this region, this neighbourhood needs an imaginative port church. Because a world without a kingdom imagination is a lot like the human experience without an imagination. Our imagination is so vital to a flourishing human life that without it, life can become confusing and disorienting. Life without imagination is a form of unlife. Here's why I think this. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a tragic example of the loss of imagination for some people as they age. And some of you will know firsthand as you journey with your own aging parents or relatives or friends. Alzheimer's seems to be one of the cruelest experiences of getting older. Now, for many of us, it's commonly associated with an inability to recall the past, a memory loss. But it goes further. It's a decrease in the integrity of the neural networks in our brain, particularly the ones that help us imagine. Alzheimer's disrupts our ability to imagine. Want to know what an absence of an imagination is like for the human experience? Spend some time with someone who has Alzheimer's. Now imagine someone restored. Someone whose imagination has returned. That is what it is like to see the kingdom of God come to life in a person's heart, in a person's mind, in a church, in a neighborhood, in a city. A flourishing human experience requires an active imagination. The ultimate flourishing for humanity, for this world, requires an active kingdom imagination. That is our commissioning 
That is our task, to join the King in breathing new life into the world around us, to restore the broken relationship between us and God, within ourselves, with one another, and with creation. The future requires Port Church to be imaginative, to live imaginatively, and to to be imaginative about who you become. And I think with everything going on around us for almost two years, we have a moment in our generation, a moment to step into an adventurous new future, a moment where individuals and households and small groups and churches imaginatively live out our kingdom life in our workplaces and in our neighbourhoods and in our churches and across this city. And all across our movement, our movement of churches, we have churches like this one whose stories include a small group of a courageous originals who stepped with gritted teeth into an unknown future. Small groups of people who developed an imagination of what King Jesus was shaping them to become. People whose lives had been changed because of the missional imagination of someone who prayed, who cared, who reached out, who loved generously, who gave away what they could have kept for themselves. And they didn't always get it right. They tried things and sometimes they didn't work. They hoped for things and sometimes they didn't happen. But they stepped into the faith-filled imagination for their what's next. They loved one another. They listened to one another. And together to the Spirit. They laughed together and they looked forward together to what God had in store for them next. They took on each season, each next step with hopeful faith in the one who could do far, far more than they could ask or even imagine. In my imagination, kingdom life doesn't look like what the person in the seat next to you is doing. Future kingdom life looks like a courageous, radical, bold, adventurous faith that risks much for the sake of neighbour and friend, that stubbornly refuses to let the noise and story of the world drown out the life-changing story of King Jesus and his new world. In my imagination, future church doesn't look like what the church down the road is doing. Future church is imaginative in its approach to loving its neighbour. It's imaginative in its desire to reach out to the other. It is imaginative in its willingness to connect generationally, to connect cross-culturally, to step outside of its middle-class circumstances. Future church without imagination is boring church uninteresting and unengaging to a world that so desperately needs to hear the story of God and to have its imagination captured by the wonderful future King Jesus has promised. Future church needs to be a catalyst for co-creators of God's new world, a place where artists and beauty creators and justice bringers and peace advocates and gospel sharers are discipled and inspired. Walter Brueggemann is a theologian I like to listen to and learn from. And he said something that we had up at Richmond every Sunday in our ads, I guess, on our screen. And I think it should be on the wall and website of every church community. He says this, The church meets to imagine what our lives can be like if the gospel is actually true. The church meets to imagine what our lives can be like if the gospel is actually true. What does it look like 
for you for Port Church to imagine together what your life can be like, what a collective life of this church can be like if King Jesus' gospel is actually true. What does that mean for the future rhythms and practices of Port Church? What do you need to be willing to let go of to step into that imagination? What does it it look like to step up into that? What's it going to cost? Future Church is a collective, courageous curators of the creator's imagined world. People commissioned to bring life and creatively bring about his new creation. And you... You, you and me are co-creators of God's imagined future. Echoes of God's own imagination given to each one of us by his spirit. His commissioning in us by his spirit to live the presence and kingdom of God in our world now. The world needs us to be proactive authors of his imagined future. The world needs people with a Holy Spirit-inspired kingdom imagination. The world needs an imaginative you. The world needs you to live imaginatively in your vocation and relationships and in your neighborhood and in your everyday. What does that mean for you? I'm going to get you to close your eyes again. This time I want you to imagine a church. Imagine an active, color-bringing, life-restoring, generously loving God, celebrating, faithfully praying, kind community of Jesus followers. What do you see? What is the Holy Spirit inspiring in you as you activate your imagination to imagine something that the world does not yet see? Maybe it's not something you've seen before in a church. What is God awakening in you? What are you seeing of what God is already doing in the people around you, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? What do you need to do to step into that imagination? I want to pray for Port Church, a prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul prays for that church there. He says, I'm kneeling before the Father, the one who gives the name family to every family in heaven and on earth. He says, my prayer is this, that he will lay out all the riches of his glory and his strength to give you strength and power through his spirit in your inner being. That the king would make his home in your heart, that love would be your root, your firm foundation." that you would have the strength along with all of God's people to know the length and breadth and height and depth of his love. Although it is so deep, no one can fully know it. So may God fill you with all his fullness. And we pray this to the one who is capable of doing far, far more than we can ask or even imagine. To the one whose power is already at work in you, To him be the glory in King Jesus, in the church, in this church, in every generation and to the ages of ages. Amen.
imagination. I'm excited because whenever I have a guest speaker come or invite someone to come, I don't ask them to preach on a subject usually. I ask them to come and bring what they feel is a word for our church. And I think Elliot's hit the nail on the head. I've been on holidays for a few weeks, as you know, and as I was on holidays talking to Julie and walking and and doing stuff, we talked about the fact that the church was never established. Jesus never came to give us a substitute. He came to give us real life. It says in John 10, he came to give us abundant life, life to the full. And I don't know if we have grasped what that abundant life is, but I believe God wants to reveal it to us, church. He doesn't want us, the thing we talked about, we're walking through Port Elliot and we saw houses with artificial grass. And the, I'm not going to bag anyone who has artificial grass, but, but the reality is it's not real grass. It's convenient, it's nice, and it does the job. But when you have real grass, how much better is that? And, I, and we, we accept this in so many parts of life. Like We accept a substitute for the real thing. And even in the church we do that. We set, accept a substitute of a nice gathering and whatever this looks like to the real thing of us being a church that is fully engaged with the gospel and doing what he's called us to do. And so over the next few weeks, we're launching that new series, Real Life, Not a Substitute. And so I want to encourage you to be praying and thoughtful and asking God, and as Elliot shared, engage your imagination because God is far beyond what we could imagine or conceive. So let's imagine and let's do it. Amen? Let's put our hands together for Elliot. Thank you for coming.